good morning, Connection Christian Church. Nice to see you all this morning. It has been my absolute privilege to be with you these last several weeks. Uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed meeting you and seeing what's going on over here. You guys have a fantastic church, a fantastic ministry, and uh, I love your staff. I love everything that you all are doing, so keep it up. Keep doing a good job. And uh, today, we wanna, I want to give you one sort of final challenge about what it means to be the church. And I want to talk today, we've talked over the past couple weeks about what it means to be called by God, and then last week, what it means to be equipped by God. And today, I really want to talk about one last part of this idea that we talked about. And I want to ask the question today is this, is that when Jesus tells us, and he says, you are not only called, not only you are equipped, Jesus says you are conquerors. What comes to your mind whenever you hear the word conqueror? So some of the things that come to my mind are this, is like my first thought is what I learned in school, like this Spanish conquistador guy with the big metal, hel metal helmet, right? He's a conqueror, sort of blazing through the South American jungle or something like that. Or I think of Alexander the Great from history who conquered big swaths of the known world at that time. Or General Sherman's scorched earth march through Georgia, the Civil War, or even General Patton's tanks rolling through Europe in World War II. When we hear that idea of what it means to be a conqueror, we almost always think military, right? We almost always think like there's some big battle, there's some big conflict, there is some shape of, uh, some show of force that is really gonna be, that's what it means to conquer. We think it means like brute strength, brute power through a difficult, difficult time. But one of the things that we see in the Bible, and, and this is really important, is that the idea of conquering in Scripture is almost the exact opposite of that. That it is not a brute show of force. It's not a military campaign. In fact, it's something very different. Even though the early Christians were persecuted and eventually they were, they were uh, outlawed, Right? So it was illegal to be a Christian. But even though that's what happened to the early Christians, they end up conquering the Roman Empire. Eventually, the Roman Empire turns over and becomes a Christian-influenced uh, empire, if you will. Right? Many revolutions came about because of a change of ideas rather than a military victory. So I want to talk this morning about what it means to be a conqueror. But I want you to erase the preconceived idea that you have in your mind of what it means to be a conqueror and replace that with something biblical. In fact, I want to start off by reading Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21, verses 5 through 7. It says, Then the one who was seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. He also said, Write, because these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha, I am the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give to the thirsty from the spring of water of life. Now listen to this phrase. To the one who conquers, the one who conquers will inherit these things. And I will be his God and he will be my son. Right? Look at that verse again. To those who conquer. 
What is exactly the Apostle John talking about there? Is he saying Christians, right? Onward Christian soldiers. Interesting historical hymn, completely wrong, gotta tell you. From a biblical concept of what it means to be conqueror, the army is the wrong metaphor biblically. But the word that's used in the original Greek here is interesting. The Greek word for conquer is N-I-K-E, Nike, or as we refer to it, the shoes that you're probably wearing, right? Nike, that's the word in the Greek. That's what the word means. It's actually a great name for shoes, right? For a shoe brand. But the word literally means to overcome or to be victorious in a struggle. It's usually translated as conquer or overcome. And here's the thing I hope you remember today. It's this, is that God calls and equips the church to be more than conquerors, to be conquerors. What exactly does that mean? Are we supposed to walk around and literally fight battles? Are we supposed to conquer the world as the church with military force? No. Actually, we're supposed to do the exact opposite. When we look at the New Testament, we're going to see two principles that become very, very clear with this idea of being a conqueror. Here's the first one, is that we see that when Jesus talks about conquering, first we see that Jesus conquered the world. Right? Not, not, not super profound, but let's unpack that a little bit. What do we mean by that when it says that Jesus conquered the world? Well, think about this. Let's think back through our biblical history for just a little bit, right? We know in Genesis chapter 1 that God created the world, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In Genesis 3, whenever Adam and Eve sin and choose to disobey, that sin entered into the world, right? We call that the fall. Not only the physical space that we inherit, right? So we think of the world as this, this physical reality we live in, but we also think of the world as the culture or the, the way in which we live, is that our culture and our thought became polluted by sin as well too. And of course, one of the most famous passages that has the word world in it from John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Right, so what do we see? God created the world. We see that the world becomes polluted and infected by sin, but we also see that God loves the world. So what exactly did Jesus conquer? When Jesus talks about he conquered the world, look at John chapter 16. John chapter 16, verse 33. I'm gonna flip over there. John 16, verse 33. He says, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous, I have conquered the world. What exactly does that mean when Jesus says, I've conquered this world? Well, I think the best way to understand that is to say that Jesus has overcome, he has conquered the rebellious, sinful nature of this world. Jesus is saying that he has overcome the power of sin and the practical effect of sin in this world, which is death. Now, how did he do that? Jesus says, I've come and I've overcome the world. I've conquered it. How exactly did he do that? Well, it's interesting that when you go back and read the Gospels, his disciples thought he was going to do one thing, but Jesus actually did something completely different. His disciples 
sort of bought into the idea that Jesus was going to be a military Roman conqueror. They thought that, hey, if, if we can prop up this Jesus as a military leader, he's going to come in and just pick a fight with Rome, and then we're going to rebel, and we'll gain our political independence again. And that's exactly what they were expecting, a new physical kingdom of Israel. And in fact, when Jesus was before Pilate, just before his crucifixion, Pilate asked him about that. And here's what Jesus said in John chapter 18, starting in verse 33. He said this. He said, Then Pilate went back into his headquarters and summoned Jesus and said, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you asking this on your own, or have others told you about me? I'm not a Jew, am I? Pilate replied. Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Listen to what Jesus says here. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate said, are you a king? He says, you say that I'm a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this, and I have come into this world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. When Pilate is quizzing Jesus and says, are you a king? Jesus says, well, you call me a king, but you think a king is somebody who rules with power over a political entity or over a geopolitical state. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. And here's how you know, if my kingdom was of this world, my disciples would be out fighting for me right now. But that's not what they're going to do. Now, it's interesting <laughs> that, that they tried to do that, right? You remember Peter on uh, the night that Jesus, just before that was, de was betrayed, Peter pulls out a sword. He tries to start a fight, and Jesus says, no, 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 that's not what we're doing here. So how did Jesus then conquer? If Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world, how exactly did he conquer it? Look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. This is talking about Jesus. The Apostle Paul says that he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. What does Paul say? He presents Jesus as his picture. What's going to happen eventually is that every knee will bow before Jesus. That's what you do to the king, right? Every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. How did he do that? He conquered by laying down his life. Is that Jesus conquered the world by loving it so much that he gave his life for it. He didn't use force. He didn't establish an army. He didn't wield a sword. He didn't change one law. Jesus sacrificed. That's how he conquered, through love. And why did Jesus conquer through love? I mean, that's a great question, right? Why would he do this? Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus conquered the world 
through love for love. Jesus could have, he, he could have forced people to respond to him, right? Jesus could have said, no, you must love me. You must do this. Well, it's not really love if you have to do it at that point. But as a conqueror, Jesus was a servant, not a general. And so when Jesus says, I have conquered the world, he does it through sacrifice and service. Now, here's the question you might be thinking at this point. It's like, okay, that's kind of a cool history lesson, perhaps, and that's awesome that Jesus did that, but what does that have to do with me? Well, here's the answer. It has everything to do with you because here's the second thing that we learn about conquering in the New Testament is that Jesus conquered the world so that we could become more than conquerors. Now, here's where we come to a very, very important kind of theme in the New Testament, all right? So here's your theology lesson for today. It's this idea that the New Testament presents things in sort of a double manner. Here's what I mean by that, is the New Testament talks about some things that are already done, but they've not yet happened yet. Theologians call this the already and the not yet. It's the idea that something has already been decided, it's going to happen, and then they speak it of it in terms of as if it's already done, but it technically hasn't happened fully yet, right? So you understand this. If you've ever changed jobs, you understand the already and the not yet, right? You change jobs, you give your two weeks notice, you've already accepted the other job. So in a sense, you already have a new job, even though you haven't started the new job yet. You're still kind of, you know, finishing things out, but in your mind, right? Once you give your notice, you're, you're not really there anymore, right? You're just like, please just let me go, right? I'm not doing anything, whatever it is. So that's the idea of the already and the not yet. I've already got this new job. It just hasn't happened just yet. Uh, I also think of, uh, for those of you who love to royal family watch, right? Uh, in England, right? Prince Charles is going to be the next king, unless his mother lives to be 200 years old, which is kind of possible, right? Uh, he's, it's already been decided he is the next king. It just hasn't happened yet. It's the already, but the not yet. But that is exactly how the New Testament talks about many things, but primarily the idea of being a conqueror is that we are more than conquerors now, and we will be more than conquerors in the future as well too. You gotta look at this verse, Romans chapter eight, Verse 34. Romans chapter 8, verse 34. <clears throat> Let me get over there. Romans 8, 34. And it starts off with this. He says, Who is the one? I want to make sure I'm in the right verse here. Okay, Romans 8, 34. I doubted myself for just a second, right? Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you we're being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, listen to this phrase. In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am being persuaded that neither death nor life or angels or rulers or anything present or things to come nor powers or height nor depth nor anything created will be able to separate us from the love 
of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love what he says there. In all things, we are more than conquerors. Again, another Greek lesson here. It's, it's the word Nike, right, in the K, but it has a prefix on it, huper, which means super, right? More than conquerors, not just conquerors, but extreme conquerors. That's what he says we are. In everything this life brings our way as a Christian, no matter what you face as a Christian, whether it's good or bad, whether it's easy or difficult, whether it's understood or not understood, whether it's horrible or fantastic, in everything, we are conquerors because Jesus has conquered for us. Uh, I, love what, I love what the, the Apostle John says in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Look at a couple verses here. 1 John 4, 4, he says this. You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And then skip over to chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. Because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. Who is the one who conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? I love these verses. We have more than conquered the world. Think about this. When the world hates people, we conquer through loving people. We don't gain anything by hating anyone. But when the world hates, we love and we conquer. When the world ignores the least of these, the downtrodden, the oppressed, the afflicted, the taken advantage of. When the world ignores those people, we love through serving them, and we conquer. When the world mocks, we conquer through compassion. When the world is skeptical, we conquer through faith. Church, we are at our strongest when we are at our weakest because we know we have the power of God to conquer this world, and we have conquered, and we will conquer. That is what we are called to do. But not only are we conquerors in this life, we will be conquerors in the end as well too. In the book of Revelation, Jesus writes seven letters to seven churches. And, and these letters are really interesting because some of the churches, Jesus says, good job, right? Keep going. Some of the churches, he's like, hmm, yeah, I don't know. You guys aren't really killing it, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're just kind of mailing it in. And some of them, he's like, I got some problems with you, right? So it's sort of all over the place. But in every one of the letters that Jesus writes, he ends it with, a, with the same message. In every one of the letters, Jesus says, to those who conquer, I've got something to say to you. And I just want you to listen to these. I'm gonna zip through these really quick. To the church in Ephesus, he says, to the ones who conquer, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. To the church in Smyrna, the one who conquers will never be harmed by the second death. Pergamum, to those who conquer, I will give some of the hidden manna. 
Thyatira, the one who conquers and keeps my works to the end, I will give him authority over the nations. Sardis, the one who conquers will be dressed in white and I will never erase his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my father and before his angels. To the church in Philadelphia, the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God and he will never go out again. To the church in Laodicea, to the one who conquers, I will give him the right to set with me on my throne, just as I conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. You see, we are not just conquerors in this life, although we are. We will be conquerors when Jesus returns as well, and we will be conquerors just as Jesus is. And I love the picture that we have in Revelation Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. It says, they conquered him, talking about the dragon. They conquered him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives to the point of death. Let me read that verse again. How does the, the church, how do we as Christians conquer the world? They conquered him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives to the point of death. How do we as saints conquer this world? We do not conquer this world by overthrowing the government or by controlling the economy or by ruling the world. We conquer through the word of the testimony of Jesus. And we conquer by serving. And we conquer by even laying down our life. And here's the question that you need to answer for yourself right now. Is how is Jesus calling you to be a conqueror in your world right now? How is Jesus calling you to serve how is Jesus calling you to make a difference to all those people that have never heard him? To those who are downtrodden and abused and taken advantage of? How is Jesus calling you to conquer the world by serving them? Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to serve? Who do you need to ask forgiveness from? Who needs to hear the gospel from you? You see, we sometimes forget that we are at our strongest, hey, think about this, we are at our strongest when we are most like Jesus, and we are most like Jesus when we serve others. That is what the world sees. We sometimes forget that in the midst of a crazy, chaotic, painful lives that we sometimes live, that we win. How do we win? We win by serving others. We win by looking like Jesus. We sometimes forget that we follow Jesus for the sake of others. And God calls you to follow Jesus. And God calls you to follow Jesus and be part of the church. And God equips you to follow him and to be part of the church. But most of all, God calls and equips this church to serve and conquer as Jesus did. Let's pray. Father, we forget sometimes the power that we have through you. We forget, Father, that we're called to be like you and exactly what that means. I pray that today we'll remember that we conquer 
not through military might, not by political might or economic might. Father, we conquer by living our lives just as you did, by serving others. We conquer by laying down our lives, sometimes ultimately, but even just daily, to say, Father, take my life and make it yours, and let me do what you would have me to do. Father, I pray for this church. I pray for its leaders. I pray for the ministry leaders here. I pray for every single person that is connected to Connection Christian Church. Father, I pray that you would give them a vision of what you've called them to be, not just collectively as a church, but individually as parts of this church. Father, I pray that this church will impact and change the, the community around here, that it will change and impact every single person that is touched by every single person in this church. And Father, we know that they can because they are more than conquerors. And we know that they can because they have the power of you and your Holy Spirit flowing through them. Father, I pray that they would answer the call. It's in your sins that we pray. Amen.